Hello and welcome to My Biggest Lesson, the show that brings you the key learnings from the most influential founders, executives, and investors in the Colorado tech community. My name is Adam Burrows. And I'm Chris Erickson. Together, we are the co-founders of Range Ventures. An early stage venture firm based in Denver. You can find out more about what we're up to at range.vc. Our guest this week is Kristen Langenfeld. Kristen is the CEO and founder of Goodbye Gear, a company that was born from her personal frustration dealing with the archaic process that existed for buying and selling used kid stuff. She's definitely created a better product, as I can attest to, as a happy customer myself. Since 2016, she's gone on to raise a Series A, open multiple 30,000 square foot warehouses for Goodbye Gear, and now employs 75 people. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here. Would love to have you start off by telling us a little bit about the company that you founded and are running Goodbye Gear and how you started that as as the founder. Sure. So Goodbye Gear, we're a managed marketplace for the re-commerce of baby and kid gear. Uh, Started the company, like many others, out of a personal pain point, which is six years ago now, which is crazy. My daughter was almost a year and now she's seven. And so that's how I can remember how long we started the company. But the pain point was really around how much stuff little humans need and how much it costs and how short of period of time they actually use all of the stuff you get for them. And um, I knew that there had to be a better way than just buying it all new and trying to find someone to give it to or sell it through these archaic processes on uh, Facebook or Craigslist, what have you. And so I uh, set out to try to find a better way and didn't find anything that was available and uh, sent an email out to a mom's group and it actually in Denver um, Highlands group. And I had 70 families sign up to be part of a beta group if I was going to do something about it. And that was really the the starting point for Goodbye Gear um, was that that beta group. And we evolved and fast forward to today. And we're now in four major markets where we have our services available for families. And we work with um, most of the largest retailers and brands in the country. And we facilitate e-commerce for, for those brands. Um, which powers our flywheel of buyers to sellers. We have a really amazing, engaged consumer base that that is really heartwarming. I will say we did a consumer insight study at the end of last year. And, you know, obviously I use our platform for raising our kids and buying things for them and selling things. But to hear other families talk about how much they not only want to use us, but need to use us. And we've become really core in the fabric of how they're raising their kids. And it's uh, been amazing to see that. That's great, yeah. and I can and I can I can attest personally as a ha- very happy customer when my kids were younger that it's a great and much needed product for sure. Kristen, just curious because you know, re-commerce has been a big topic the last few years. You've seen a bunch of companies start in that in that space. You've seen some some go public, and it's certainly clearly a huge need both in terms of the environment and consumer demands. But you've seen some of these companies that have gotten big and the first ones to go public really struggle. How do you feel about the re-commerce industry? Overall, right now, like where do you see it see it going? You and I have talked about this over the years, and yeah, uh, it's an interesting one. Yeah, I know for sure. And I think what 
is very hard in the the space of apparel is that there's very low margins. And so you have to have massive scale in order to get to profitability. And then in the luxury space, I think right now is getting <laughs> nailed because you know, discretionary spend is definitely down. Um, so it's something that you know we've been focused on since the beginning of building the company. And I will say, you know, my background coming from product and working in tech and nothing in the operation space going in and being like, oh my goodness, we're going to touch every piece of inventory. We built the company from the perspective of how do we get to profitability? How do we build really great unit economics from day one? And so that's the approach that we've taken and how we have a path to profitability, unlike the companies that are public in the market that that have no path to profitability right now. And I think that's the big differentiator. And, and I'm really excited about where the market is valuing companies today, because I think more businesses will be built that way. And, you know, then we can have companies that can really change consumerism and solve these really big problems, but do it in a way that also generates revenue and commerce in a positive way. So I think that you and I have talked about this a lot, but that's that's definitely something that we've been focused on from the beginning. Chris, I want to shift gears a bit to talking about Colorado now. So I think you've been out here for about a decade. And so I'd love to hear, you know, sort of what brought you here and then how you've seen the Colorado tech ecosystem change over the last nine, 10 years. Like many others, I came out here for the skiing and the lifestyle. Um, I was working in New York and we had a small office out here. And uh, I'll never forget because I came out and the guys I worked with, I was like, this place is amazing. They're like, shh, don't tell anybody. (laughs) And I was like, it's sunny all the time. Your mountains are like 30 minutes away. And so I convinced the CEO of the company to open our product engineering office out here 10 years ago. That company is called Prove. They, They still are doing very, very well and they have a big office out here. And so that was how I came out here. And I have seen the tech ecosystem really change. I mean, honestly, I picked our office. This is embarrassing. I picked our office in the tech center because that's where I thought tech was. So when we got our office, that's where now they've moved downtown Denver and they have a, a nice office right in Lodo, I think it is. And so it's definitely changed from the tech center days 10 years ago to to what it's become now. And I actually moved to Boulder this year. So we're now experiencing both the Denver and the Boulder tech scene. And I will say it is just incredible the give back culture. And that is something you don't get in other places, at least that I've seen and in New York and where everybody is so willing to jump on the phone to meet for a coffee and to help. And we we went through an accelerator program in Boulder at the beginning of the company. And I was just blown away at at the the folks that would just give up their time and, and help you. And I think that's really helped us not make the same mistakes as I mean, we've made our fair share of mistakes. Don't get me wrong, but definitely learn from the mistakes of others and had that really great support system. So I think it's a really amazing place to build a company in Colorado. And as you sort of think of the next, maybe, you know, three, four or five years going forward, how do you see the ecosystem continuing to evolve? Well, I think the mass exodus during COVID (laughs) from this coast to Colorado has helped bring a lot of talent here and a lot of focus um, from investors as well. You know, I think that there's been a lot of companies built here and a lot of big companies that have built offices out here. So uh, I just see it continuing to accelerate and bringing more and more like the talent is this first step. And as you have more talent like this is more businesses are going to be built here. And I just think it's going to continue to accelerate. What, what's a company you're particularly excited about right now? Well, as I said, I I, uh, I have a few. 
Go for um, it. Shamelessly plug all, all your founder friends. We love it. <laughs> well, I know, but I think that like Shinesty, for example, was an example of a, a founder that was just willing to talk to us from the very beginning and so helpful. And they've built such a strong brand. Like it is unbelievable, the brand that they've built. And um, Chris has been a great mentor and, and help along along the way, um, as is Pro's Closet. You know, they have a similar operating model to us. And um, Nick, the founder there, was very helpful throughout our our journey. And they've done built an amazing business and re-commerce in the bike space. And then Tilt, who I think was on one of your shows earlier. I mean, I have a personal shared experience that I won't get into here, but I, what she's building is super important and needs to exist. Um, and the last one I jotted down was Copper Labs. The founder there is really awesome. I don't know if you know Dan and what he's building is really important for energy conservation and and that. So those are four. I know you said one. <laughs> Great. Well, it, I mean, I think it's, it speaks to the ecosystem that there's so many that anybody can name in any pocket of mm-hmm. uh, uh, of the tech world now, which is really exciting for us. Yeah. Well, Chris, you've had a ton of great experiences and just love to hear, you know, if you had to pick out your biggest lesson, what would it be? Yeah. So I thought a lot about this and I kept coming back to this one thing, which is hiring and hiring based on culture and mission alignment, not pedigree, not experience, but really, really focused on how you are going to work with this person and how much they care about what you're trying to build. And that is so important. Uh, that, that's an awesome topic. There's so much to unpack here. I'm excited. <laughs> maybe maybe start with is when you think about this and learn this lesson, is there one or two particular times that, that come to mind that you had to learn this lesson the hard way? Yes, many. Um, I shouldn't say many, a few, but I think that making mistakes in hiring where I personally focused on selling and closing a candidate because they were just like, had this amazing pedigree and had all this experience. And so really focused on like, how do we get them on board and way too much on selling them and getting them to join the company without the due diligence on the other side to the, how do they work? What do they value? And, you know, how are we aligned in terms of the culture fit? And, And that's been as you know, many companies, I'm sure you've talked to bazillions of founders who always talk about culture, but it's not just a buzzword. It is so important because it makes the difference of like, as a, as the founder of the company being stressed and worried about, you know, how someone's feeling or dealing with that versus like the no BS, you just know that you're both working towards the same goal or you're all on the same page and that any issues that come up, you can handle them. And that stress and time wasted, you get so much time back and you're so much more efficient when you have that alignment. So uh, yeah, we've definitely made mistakes on that and and try to, you know, correct for it, but it's really just time. You have to get to know someone, I think is the lesson I've learned. I'm curious when, when you say culture, because I think that's something, a word that gets thrown out and, and different yeah. people, it means different things to different people. I've seen some companies where culture means, hey, all people we'd be friends with, right? And it's like, there's a little bit, I think sometimes can be a little bit too much groupthink or homogeny there. If it's just, you know, people who have your same sense of humor or your friends on right. and that, that, you say that a startup uh, on the flip side though, if it's somebody who, Hey, we don't really care about anything aside from just being aligned with the mission that can get people in trouble as well, because different people have conceptions on how do you actually achieve that mission? Right. What does it mean for you? Oh, how long do we have now? <laughs> um, you know, for, for us, it is come down to the alignment and how we, we think about work and how we, how we prioritize and how we take feedback, I think are the two biggest things. And so one is 
uh, I mentioned the drama piece of it. And I think that's something that comes with having that mission alignment and being really clear on where you're trying to get to. And so that when you're, when you're in tough situations that you can, that you push back and you challenge and you give feedback and that there's not, Oh my God, how does someone feel? So that's like core to our business and, and our team is that there's um, a lot of focus on what's right for the customer, what's right for the business, customer first, business second, um, and then making decisions from there without the drama. And I think that when we've brought in folks that were not aligned with that, and it was more about, let me talk about how much, how, how hard I'm working and how long I'm working and versus like, Hey, this is, this is what we did for the customer. This is what we did for the business. And it doesn't matter when you work, how you work, how long you work. It's just really a matter of the results and the value impact. And so for, for us, that's like one of the main cornerstones of our culture is that get shit done. I'm sorry. I don't think it's right here. Get stuff done and, uh, and no BS about it. Like no drama. We're like HBO. You can, you can swear as much as you, you can want. say whatever you want here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Chris, you know, I, I've heard a lot of people, you know, share that they do want to hire for, for culture fit, right. And make sure their mission's aligned. But I feel like a lot of people, fall down when they actually try to do that, yeah. right? Because it's actually hard to do it. Could you give our listeners some tactical advice on either questions you asked during the interview, uh, stories you asked from them, or even maybe how you, you screen candidates to begin with that help mm-hmm. you get that mission and culture alignment post-hire? It's a great question. It's something we're still figuring out and iterating, but I can tell you a few things that we've done and. um, I think that the biggest one is a project or some part of work that you, you get from the candidate and that, um, that shows a lot of how they put that together, the questions that they ask, um, how long it takes them to do it and, and how, you know, they prioritize their time and how they present it. So, um, the project tells a lot, I would, what we found and the other, like, especially for executives, I think the thing that I've, I have done is get to know people over a longer period of time and that being over drinks or coffee or travel. And one interesting data point is that for us, getting someone to book travel tells you a lot of how they operate. It's a very small thing, but you know, a person who's like, who do I talk to? Who's this, you know, your EA that I can book travel with versus someone who's like, I'm going to fly Southwest. I'm going to come in on this time. And uh, I'm going to, what's the hotel that you guys stay at, you know, versus, I'm going to stay at the St. Regis, you know, like this is the, ex- the extreme version. And um, so you can tell sort of how someone operates just on the, the travel and, you know, the, our culture is, is scrappy and, you know, we're not flying first class and we don't have EAs. And so can you, can you book these things as just a, one simple thing that we've done now, right now? We're not doing a, a ton of traveling, but that's a great way. And then to get to know someone in person is so much better than on Zoom. There's so much you can get from a Zoom meeting and in person, you really get to know them a lot more. Um, so project, travel, and getting to know them in person. And then of course, there's like the questions that you can ask and examples. And I'm told you're not supposed to do reference calls anymore, but it, or like back backdoor reference calls, what do you call it? Um, yeah, back channel. <laughs> back channel. Thank you. Back door. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Um, back channel reference calls. It also is really, you know, you get to know someone. And if you ask, there's questions that you can ask to understand more about that person and in, in ways that 
you can work better with them. And yeah, like the questions that you can ask to really, people can practice and say the right things. But if you ask specific questions about how would you handle this situation, um, tells a lot as well. So it's, inter- it's, a, it's a trend. It sounds like, you know, one of your cultural values and just what you're talking about is prioritizing the team and the company, right? You give the, the example of, hey, I'll stay at the hotel wherever you stay at versus I've got my specific preference and it's about me. And Bill Gurley, a VC from Benchmark, just wrote this long tweet thread about this and saying sometime in the last five years, the culture in, in Silicon Valley and tech, probably driven by the tight labor market and kind of the overhiring by the Googles of the world, went from about the team and the company to about what can the company do for me as the employee? And you know, his point is that that's shifting back, which is great for, for startups. Have you seen any of that? So yes, yeah, so in the craziness of 2021, it, we were not offering the level of benefits that the big tech companies could offer. But what we could offer was our mission. And you know, we're not building something that is putting more waste in the world or you know, doing this frivolous solving a frivolous problem or, you know, creating more waste. We are ultimately helping consumers, helping families have accessibility to find the right items for their family at a price they can pay and saving products from landfills and changing consumerism. And so a lot, like, even if you don't have children, you can really get behind the mission of doing something good for the world and putting things back into circulation. And so really leaning on our mission and feeling good about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis with really great people that are going to respect and value your point of view, regardless of what your job title is in the company. And so for us, that's what we leaned on to hire and, and acquire really great people was not the perks and what can you do for me? And that's why we've been able to to keep our culture really strong, even through the craziness of the hiring last year is because the folks we screened to make sure that they came in and were happy to work for a company that's not going to necessarily pay the, the top price or give them the top benefits, but really respect and value their contributions and, and promote them for regardless of their pedigree or their previous experience. I, I always tell the story of this one. A couple of our first employees who started off as you know, minimum wage processors in the warehouse who um, were just amazing and cared about our mission and really embodied our, our culture. And one is running our customer care and the other is running product. And so, you know, we, we've moved them up through the ranks in the last six years. They've become a huge integral part of our, our business. And that's something I'm really proud of as well. So Kristen, as you continue to scale the company, how do you think about maintaining that culture and alignment? Because in my experience, 10 to 20 people, it's it's easy. It gets a little harder at 50. And as soon as you sort of go over 100 or 150, like it's really hard to keep that consistently. Have you started to think about things you're trying to put in place or codify to keep that alignment as you continue to grow? That's a great question. I mean, I think that the most important thing that I can do is bring in amazing leaders that are going to build great teams that also embody the culture of, of the company. So that's first and foremost. And then the other thing is we do our quarterly meetings. I also write a, a monthly newsletter and try to touch on you know, one of our core values being transparency. So giving the metrics on the business and what I'm thinking about and what our challenges are and and then calling out the kudos of, of folks that have gone above and beyond in our, our core values. So those are things that I'm doing. And then we have, actually, I should have mentioned this in the companies. I don't know if they're Colorado-based, but Bonusly 
is like a tool we've recently rolled out because we were doing this manually of like the kudos and Slack and people, you know, anyone who goes above and beyond in any of our core values, they get a kudos shout out, shout out. But now we do this with Bonusly. So then everybody, like there's like 20 of them a day. <laughs> it's great. No, Bonusly is in Boulder. So that's great. Another Colorado oh, shout are. out. Oh, good. I should have called them out. Oops, sorry. <laughs> No, that, 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 that's awesome. That's awesome. How did you, one last question for you on the culture piece, Kristen, is are the cultural norms that you have today, are those things that you and your co-founder really put in place the day you started the company or have they, are they different, right? Have, have anything made it on or off that, that list? Nothing has come off. So I will tell you, so Jess and I sat down before we, I was like annoyed. I'm like, why do we have to write down what our core values and our mission is? We don't even have a company yet. And she was like, this is important. I'm glad she did. So we have this like piece of paper where we I kept it and it's what we wrote down of, of the company we want to build and, and the place we, and basically it's a place we want to work at. And, and that was what we put down on paper. And I will say nothing has come off that. We've definitely added to that and, and, and improved and, and just sort of tweaked those, but nothing has come off. And it really comes back to just loving your job. It shouldn't feel like work. And so like one of our things we have to tell people to stop working. It's not like, <laughs> please log off. It'll be there tomorrow, you know? And so um, people loving work and, and feeling really valued and that you're not, you're being, you can prioritize the work so that you can also have a life and prioritize what's being, a ho- um, having a home life as well. So there's all of that. That's, Great. Well, well, Christian, this, this is this is awesome. How can our listeners follow along with what you're doing at Goodbye Gear? And uh, I would love to hear from anybody who's listening to this if I can be helpful. Kristen at GoodbyeGear.com. I had so much help getting to where we are today and would love to pay it forward in the way that the community has um, helped me and our company. So um, anything that I can do to be helpful to folks, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks so much, Kristen. Congrats on, on all the success so far and looking forward to following along with the next uh, next chapter. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks.